I knew this morning when I woke up about 4.15, it was going to be a different kind of day. And I know some of you are looking at me and saying, well, what's different? I woke up this morning and I took off my tie and my coat when I got out of bed <laughs> and started to get ready for the day. It's a little different. Last time I preached in a uh, t-shirt, I was at a youth camp. It's all right. I promise you, the Lord will forgive me. There are a lot of these t-shirts around, and people have been asking questions. What are these t-shirts about? Well, before today's over, you're going to know. Before you leave here this morning, you're going to hear a lot about this who's your one thing, and you're going to be hearing about it for months and hopefully years to come, and hopefully it's going to get imprinted onto your heart and mind, and you're never going to stop thinking about it. But also, before you leave this morning, you're going to have the opportunity, if you want it, to receive a little packet with a clip on it. I think most of them have a clip. A few of them may not, but inside this packet, there are three items. And those three items include a 40-day devotional. Now, you know, I, I, you may not need a devotional, but a lot of folks I know are always asking me, you know, Pastor, what can I do? Short term, here's a 40-day devotional, all right? There's a bookmark in here as well. looks like this. And this bookmark's kind of special because on one side it says, who's your one? I mean, you'd kind of expect that today, right? But on the back side of it, there is a 30-day Bible reading guide. Oh, by the way, the scriptures listed there coincide with the 30-day prayer guide, or with the, yeah, with the 30-day prayer guide that you're going to have. So it just kind of rolls together, okay? On the back side, though, there's also a piece that you can tear off. It's serrated there, and it simply says, who's your one name? Now, the whole point is this. I want to ask all of you, if you knew that in the next few days, you were going to be called into eternity, and you were going to spend your time in front of the throne of God, worshiping Him for all of eternity and serving Him and accomplishing His desire and His purpose. Is there one person you can think of that you love in this life that you would hope that before you departed, you'd have the opportunity to tell them where you're going and invite them to come with you? Is there someone that you care about that needs to know Jesus Christ? It might be a family member. It might be a co-worker, could be a classmate, it might be a neighbor, it might be someone you simply bump into every now and again. Would you make a commitment? This is what I'm asking you. Would you make a commitment to pray for them every day? And as you pray for them, ask God to give you opportunities to show them Christ and to share with them Christ. It might be that you have that, you're that person, you're comfortable sharing your faith, you're comfortable sharing your testimony. Would you look for an opportunity to do that? You may look at me and say, no way, preacher. I have never shared my faith. I can't share my faith. I'd be scared to death if I tried to do that. Okay, can I ask you a favor? Would you invite them to church with you? If you'll get them through the doors, I promise you, I'll tell them about Jesus. I'll tell them that Jesus saves. There will be people here who will share that with them. They will hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond to that. Because we believe that's the most important thing that we can possibly do as born-again believers and as the church of Jesus Christ. Would you pray for them? Would you share with them or invite them to come with you so that someone can share with them? 40-day devotional, 30-day prayer guide, bookmark.
Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do for me, though. Now, please understand, we're not going to put anybody in any position of danger, harm, or anything else. But if you know today who that one would be, some of you have already told me. You, you knew this was coming today. You said, I've already figured out who my one is. I know who it is. And I've had several people tell me that. I'm going to ask you to do something for me today, all right? And that is this. I want you to take that and tear it off when you get it later today. Put that name on it. And when you go out this door or that door, there's going to be a red bucket. I want you to put their name on it. And I want you to drop it in there. Now, we're not going to publish their names or anything like that. You can just put their first name on it, okay? We don't even know what their last name is. You know. You know who they are. But what this does is this says, I'm making myself accountable to the Lord. I'm going to do what I committed myself to do. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to look for an opportunity to share Jesus with them. Now, I'm going to take that back out of there because that one's mine. Andrew, would you do me a favor? Would you take this bucket and, and go put it out into the forest so we can make sure that it's, it's out there when we get ready to go? All right, thank you. Well, I know that you came here with a Bible expecting to go to church and not a pep rally. But you know what? Church is kind of a pep rally, isn't it? Yeah, it is. If you got a Bible, I want you to take it and turn to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. Because this morning, as we think about who's your one, we're going to look at the story of a man who found Christ. His name was Andrew, not Smith. All right, just get that clear right on the front end. As far as we know, his story begins in John chapter 1, although at this time he was already an adult, so we know that he had, his story actually began long before that. But he seems to be a man who knew something was missing. He was looking for something that was missing, wanting to, to bring it into his life, whatever it was. And he, along with a lot of other people, heard that there was this bold, powerful, somewhat strange preacher who was preaching down by the Jordan. And so Andrew made his way to the Jordan, and there he met this man that a lot of folks were calling the baptizer. His name was John. A lot of people came to hear him out of curiosity. Some, like Andrew, came because they were searching for something. And they were captivated by his call to repentance and holy living. And he was preaching a message that, man, it didn't, it didn't sound like anything they had ever heard. And, and when they were there worshiping with him, it wasn't anything like what they experienced when they went into the temple and, and went through the rituals of their Jewish religion. And John was always talking about someone who was still to come, someone who, who was coming after him, like he was preparing or setting the stage, getting everybody ready for what was yet ahead. And I imagine that probably when John wasn't preaching and they were eating meals together, hanging out, they were probably talking and saying, you know, this really sounds weird, but the language he's using, it's, it's, it's messianic language. It's, like, it's almost like we're listening to Isaiah talk about this one who's going to come. And they were waiting, and they were trying to figure out what to make of all of this. And then one day, one day, John looked up, and the crowd was coming down to the river, and there was a man in the crowd. He was different. They hadn't seen him before. And John looked at that man, and he told everyone there, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They hadn't heard that before. They didn't think a whole lot about it. That man was baptized, just like everyone else who came in the crowd. And then 
Jesus made an interesting statement about him, either later that day or maybe early the next day. It's recorded in, in John 1, verse 34. Jesus said, I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. Now, if you've got your Bible open to John chapter 1, I want you to find verse 35 right after that. That's where we're going to pick up the reading. And I want us to see what happens in Andrew's life moving forward from that moment. If you've got your Bible open there, if you can, will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35, we read, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And add on, we know when Peter was translated, it was Petros, the rock. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this record. And what it is going to teach us this morning as we spend our time together looking at it. And I just ask, Father, now that our hearts would be open, our minds would be receptive, and that we would be willing to hear your voice, your call, your leading, and that we would follow in it. Lord, you have already called your church out. You've already commissioned us, commanded us, and sent us. Father, today we want to make it specific. We want to make it personal. We want to engage everyone who can possibly be engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that you would begin to do something in the hearts and the minds of your people that they've never experienced before. That you would move them in such a way that they would no longer be silent, but rather that they would voice their faith and conviction in Jesus Christ to any and all who would hear. Now, Father, speak to us. Teach us your truth. And give us the courage to walk in it. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What happened in Andrew's life from this moment over the next several hours was and is incredibly important in Christian history. But it's also important in what it has done in world history. And I want you to see that with me this morning. In order to do that, I think that we basically have to begin by starting at the beginning and seeing what happened. And it was this. Andrew secured his own faith. If you go back and look at this passage, and by the way, I'm not leaving this passage. You may as well keep your Bible open and just stay with me, all right? But look at what happens here. I think it's an amazing thing to see. First off, I want you to know that Andrew positioned himself to be pointed toward Jesus. He positioned himself. You say, well, what do you mean he positioned himself? Where was he? He was there at the Jordan. He was there with John. He was there with the one who was preaching truth. Listen, religion is not going to get you anywhere, folks. 
I hope you can understand that and grasp that this morning. Religion is not ever going to get you anywhere. You can follow all the rules and regulations. You can go through all the motions. You can do all the stuff. That's never going to get it there. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. John and a lot of other folks had tried. Andrew had tried. Many people had tried all of the religious stuff. They knew that it was lacking. They were looking for something more. And whenever they started hearing about this preacher who was preaching repentance, talking about a heart change, talking about a change of life, they went to hear what was being said. And there they were that day when John looked up and said, there he is. That's the one. That's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. If you're longing to meet God, if there's something in your heart that's missing, if there's something in your life, you know there's got to be more than what you've got, I want you to understand, you're going to have to put yourself in a place. You're going to have to position yourself to meet Jesus. Oh, it'll happen. It'll happen, and it may be in the place you least expect it, but I'm going to tell you now, it will happen. You need to be where you can hear his call. The day after Andrew, if we, if, if we read this correctly, the day after Andrew first saw Jesus, Jesus walked by again. John the Baptist confirmed his identity. There he is again. That's him. That's the Lamb of God. And we read that Andrew and another of John's disciples followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Listen. Following Jesus is what brings us into relationship. That's what moves us out of religion and into relationship. They went after him. They followed after him. I I love reading these verses, the beginning of this passage, because I think it's, it's so awesome to read this conversation, this back and forth. They're following after Jesus. In my mind, you know, I, you know, I think weird thoughts. I, I kind of go down a different track most of the time. And I'm, I'm seeing them, and they're kind of sneaking around, you know, bush to bush, rock to rock. They're following him, trying to see where he's going. And Jesus turns around and says, what are you guys doing? What do you want? Well, Master, we want to see where you, where you live. We want to see where you're staying. You know, come see. Get out of the bushes, man. You're making me nervous. And they followed after him. And they went with him. And we read that you know, it was about the middle of the morning, about 10 o'clock. And, and they got there and they spent the day with him. Just some general statements I want to, I want to draw. You know, of course, this is just my brain running down my different tracks, Okay. But there's some things I want you to understand. Jesus knows where you are. You may be behind the bushes or behind the rocks. You may think you're sneaking up on him. But I promise you, Jesus knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're about. He knows what you're engaged in. He always knows our intent. When he turned around and said to them, what do you want? I promise you this. Jesus already knew what they wanted. Whenever you call out to Jesus, I promise you, even though you're going to tell him what you want, he already knows what you want. And not only does he know what you want, he knows what you need. Finally, I want you to see this. I I think this is so awesome. And I want you to hear this because there are a lot of folks that I've, I've visited with who tell me, you don't understand who I was. You don't understand the things I've done. You don't understand where I've been. God's not going to accept me. I want you to understand something. Jesus is quick with the invitation. When they were confronted with him, he said, what do you want? And they said, we want to see where you're, where you're staying, where you live. What did Jesus say? Come see. Come on. He invited them into 
his life. He invited them into his circle. They, he invited them into relationship. And we read, they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him from about 10 o'clock on. If you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to spend time with Jesus. You're going to have to get into his presence and you're going to have to watch and you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to learn. You're going to see things that you never imagined. You're going to see things through a completely different lens. You may see some things that are like what you've seen before, but now you understand them completely different. There are a lot of things that go on in our lives and we see them every day, but we don't understand why they're happening. But when we come to know Christ, we see those same things happening and we say, oh, now I get it. I know what he's doing in my life. I understand this now. But you know what? This was just the beginning of Andrew's journey. I want you to know something about Andrew himself. Andrew was discovered to share his discovery. Say, what do you mean? I mean, Jesus found Andrew so that Andrew could go share what he found. Let's not leave any question about who's involved in this discourse, all right? If you've got your Bible open, you can look and you can see. Verse 40. Verse 40 says, Andrew. Let's just stop there. We know who Andrew is. So how do you know who he is? Well, it says right after that, Simon Peter's brother. So we know that this is, this is Simon Peter's brother, Andrew. We haven't even met Simon Peter yet. He's not even been brought into discussion. But see, John was writing this years later, and he knew everybody's going to know who Simon Peter is. I mean, Simon Peter was that guy who, who was such an, a, an important apostle, a disciple of Jesus. And, and yeah, he had his failures. I mean, he walked on the water and then he sunk. And, you know, he walked with Jesus and then he denied Jesus. But he became an early leader in the church. He was the preacher at Pentecost. And he wrote a couple of books that are in our New Testament, in, in our Bible. So they're going to know who he is. So when I identify Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, they're going to, oh, that Andrew. No question. We know it's not Smith. We know this is Simon Peter's brother. But I'm intrigued about what's not written here. So what do you mean what's not written here? Look at that verse, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and followed Jesus. I'm intrigued by this. See, this is the second time in this narrative that we read, beginning at verse 35, that we read there were two. But we never meet the second. Do you know why that is? Because John would never identify himself. I believe this is John. Because everywhere where John is identified in his gospel, he identifies himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Or he identifies himself in some other way. But he never gives his own name. And here we are, he, he's talking about, well, why would you be convinced that it's John? Well, uh, first thing I'm going to tell you is this. John was the writer of this gospel. And he never named himself, like I just said. But secondly, this gospel was written years later. But the writer remembers every detail about those days when he first saw Jesus, when John the Baptist first identified Jesus, when he first understood who Jesus was, when he met Jesus. And he recalled spending that first day in the presence of the Master. It just makes perfect sense that this is John is the other one of the two. And he wanted to make sure because of what's about to happen next, that we understand who Andrew is in relationship to Simon Peter. 
Now, Andrew, like I said, was discovered to share his discovery. You might say, well, that's wrong. See, Andrew discovered Jesus. No, no. Jesus had known Andrew before Andrew was ever conceived. Jesus knows each one of us before we are ever formed in our mother's womb. He knows us. He knows us by name. Andrew didn't discover Jesus. Andrew was discovered. He was brought into the presence of Jesus. And he was brought there so that he could go and share this discovery. Say, what do you mean? Look at verse 41. I love this verse. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. And he said, we found the Messiah. We found the Christ. We found the anointed one. We found the one we've been waiting. He could not imagine keeping such great news to himself. He couldn't imagine following after Jesus and his brother not joining him on that journey. Friends, I just want to ask you a question. I know a lot of y'all are sitting here and you're saying, okay, another, another sermon. No! If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how can you possibly imagine and be satisfied with leaving behind you people that you know and care about? I was praying for the salvation of my children as soon as I knew they were on their way. Before they ever took their first breath in this world, I was praying that the Lord would call them, that he would touch them, that he would bless them. I wanted them to know Jesus the way that I've known Jesus and the way that he blesses me. I wanted them to have those blessings. Whenever my, grand, my children would call me and say, Dad, there's a baby on the way, I started praying for my grandchildren because I want my grandchildren to know Jesus the way that I know Jesus. I want, I want one day to stand before the throne and have the master look at me and say, those are all connected to you. Man, you were busy. And I'm going to say, yes, I was. He said, I heard you cry. I heard you pray for them. They're mine. Praise God. For years, I lived in fear that, that there was going to come a day that God was going to call me home and I was going to go to heaven and my brother wouldn't come with me. I rejoice now because I know my brother is a believer that he's in the kingdom of God. He's going to be with me in eternity. I remember as a senior in high school standing beside my grandfather's bed. He was, he was approaching the end. And listening as he prayed and asked Christ in his heart. You can't imagine what that felt like to a 17-year-old boy who had lived his entire life believing that his grandfather was going to spend eternity in hell even though I wasn't going to be there. But in that day and in that moment, I realized something. God can change all things and make all things new. And he gave life, eternal life, to my grandfather. And I still rejoice in that to this day. Here's Andrew. Jesus has revealed himself. And Andrew goes and finds his brother, Simon. And he said, man, you're not going to believe who I found. You're not going to believe who this is. But you've got to come and you've got to see. He shared his testimony of how he had find, found Jesus, how Jesus had invited him, how he had come into Jesus' life. Listen, can I just tell you something? I think that ought to be the natural reaction of every born-again believer. We ought to want to tell somebody. 
And so Andrew brought another, his brother. Now, I know everybody here is a different place in their journey and probably spent different times in different places in the Word of God. And maybe your understanding is not the same as mine, but, you know, I get excited when I read what it says there at the beginning of verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Notice the full situation here. Notice the full scope of what's going on. Andrew told Peter about his discovery. We found him. We found the Messiah. We found the Christ. But that wasn't enough. He told him, and Peter said, okay, whatever. Andrew said, no, that's not enough. And he brought him to Jesus. Listen. I've read the Gospels. You've read the Gospels. I've studied. You've studied. I'm just going to tell you something. I I can't imagine that Peter was an easy man to tell about Jesus. Any of y'all ever had a hard experience trying to share Jesus with somebody? They were stubborn. They were hard-headed. They were strong-willed. They were on their... That's kind of the description we give to Peter, isn't it? I can't imagine it was real easy sharing Jesus with Peter. And Peter sat there and listened, and it was kind of like rolling off of him like water off of a duck. And Andrew says, that's not enough. I'm going to take you with me. We're going to go meet him. You're going to see for yourself. I don't think so, little brother. Andrew was determined. He wouldn't be quiet. He wouldn't be deterred. He wouldn't be turned aside. He wouldn't be stopped. And, and, and you know, in my own mind, and it's just my mind. It's not, it's not scripturally supported. It's just my imagination, sanctified imagination, whatever you want to call it. I, I imagine Peter sitting there saying, good grief, if I don't go with this guy, he's never going to leave me alone. And so he gets up and he goes with Andrew to meet Jesus. And this is the greatest part of the story. Andrew's one met Jesus. Why? Because he told him about Jesus and he brought him to Jesus. That's all it takes for one to meet Jesus. Somebody who cares enough to give their testimony of knowing Jesus and then bring them to Jesus. And when he got there, the most amazing thing happened. Look at verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, son of John. I already know you. I knew you before you got here. I knew you before you were born. I know exactly who you are. He called him by his first name the first time they ever met. And then Jesus gave him a new name. You will be called Cephas. He translates Cephas becomes Peter. Now, if we take Peter out of the English and we translate it back over to the Greek, it's Petrus, rock. Peter, Peter was an ego-driven, strong, maybe even overbearing man of the flesh. That was who Simon was. But when he became Peter, he becomes this strong, immovable kingdom rock. Perfect? Absolutely not. He was still one of us. 
flawed and sinful. He denied the Lord. He had all of his failures and all of his failings in his flesh. But in the end, he was a man whose faith would not turn loose. This is an amazing passage of Scripture, and I could spend hours, but I'm not going to. I just want to say this to you. Perhaps this morning, perhaps this morning, you need to secure your faith the way Andrew did. Maybe today is the day that you need to step up and make a commitment. You need to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to learn from the Master, and then I'm going to go find my one. And I'm going to bring them to Jesus. You know, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. History was changed. Not just church history. The history of the world was changed when Andrew brought Simon, and Simon met Jesus and became Peter. A fisherman became a preacher. And we have somewhat of his life story recorded for us, but we do know this, that he led the early church, that he was part of the process of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem to Rome, which was the center of the world as they knew it. We know that along the way, he wrote some letters. We know that along the way, he preached the gospel. We know that at the day of Pentecost, he stood out there in the streets and he proclaimed the gospel and thousands of lives were changed. And that's what set the whole church movement into process. But don't you think for a minute it was easy. It had to be tough for Andrew. You know why I say that? Some of you will be able to agree with me. The hardest people for us to share with are usually the people we know the best. The people we're the closest to. It's hard to share with them because we know they're going to look at me and say, I know you. You're no better than I am. And friend, it's not a matter of are you better than them. It's a matter of are they saved like you're saved. No matter whom God may lay upon your heart. No matter how difficult they might be. I want you to know some things this morning. I want you to know Jesus already knows them. He already knows them and he knows their need. And he is, has been, and is inviting them still today. He's watching for them. He's waiting for them to arrive. And when they come, he's going to welcome them into his presence. Because no matter what the world sees, and no matter how the world might describe that person, I want you to know, Jesus sees the potential within them, and he longs to change them into everything they can come, become by his grace. So how do you know that? Because he did that in my life. And he's done it in many of your lives. You've shared with me how he's changed you, what he's done. But, here's the kicker, here's the, here's, here's the clinch, here's, here's the point, here's where we've got to get to, okay? Are you, are you ready? You, I, we, no, you, 
may have to bring them to Jesus. How long do they have to wait? How much longer do they have to wait? Who's your one? Who's that person that God would lay on your heart this morning? Some of you, you've already got it locked down. I can see it in your faces. Some of you, I don't have to see your faces. You've already told me. You knew this was coming this morning, and you already told me. In fact, some of you, some of you told me in such a way that it made me realize it's going to be a struggle for you. I can't believe God laid this person on my heart. That's why the first thing you've got to do is start praying for them. Start praying for them. That God will lay them on your heart, that he will open the doors, that he will give you the opportunities, and he'll give you the words. You've got to put yourself in position. You've got to put yourself into that relationship. You've got to seize that opportunity. I want to know who's your one. God wants to know who's your one. Maybe this morning you need to nail down your relationship with Jesus the way that, that Andrew did. If that's the case, in a moment after we pray and we begin to sing, I want to invite you to come and just tell me, Pastor, I want that relationship. Or, or maybe I, you've got that relationship, but you've never grown in it. You've never grown to the place where you understand what it means to be a Christian and what that requires of you. And yes, it does require of you that you follow him, that you serve him, that you obey him. And if you're going to obey him, you're going to have to share him with somebody because he already already told us to go make disciples maybe you need to nail down that relationship for yourself maybe you need to make your commitment to the Lord this morning I know who the one is you've laid them on my heart and if he hasn't you start praying this morning and you ask him father show me one show me one I was reading the other day little journal magazine comes out. I came across this page, and I, I blew it up, copied it, and I, wow. In a survey of non-Christians, and Christians who've not attended church within the past month, we learn how they prefer to learn about the faith. Three answers at the top are double-digit. And then it trails off. 30% desire to learn about the faith through casual one-on-one conversations. They're waiting for you. 23% casual conversations within a small group. Sunday school classes, this is your doorway. 20% by meeting someone at church. Anybody can invite somebody to come meet Jesus. Who's your one? Would you let the master use you to to change someone's life here and their eternity in the future? The vast majority of Christians, when asked, will tell you they've never actually shared their faith with anybody. How tragic. 
How tragic that the Lord has given us a command to do something and the vast majority of us never do it. We say, oh, but I love Jesus. And Jesus says, no, if you love me, you'll do what I ask. By the way, that's in the gospel. So who's your one? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we are going to stand and sing. I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to God's invitation. It may be that you're here this morning and you need to nail down that relationship with the Lord. You need, you need to say to him, I want you in my life. I want to follow you. I want to pursue you. I want to know you. I want to be known by you. If that's the case, I'm going to invite you. Come, take me by the hand. I will not embarrass you. I will not put you on the spot. But I'm going to share with you from God's Word how you can become a child of the King today. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I did that years ago, but I've never, I've never followed it up. I've never gone anywhere with it. I've never done anything with it. Okay, what do you need to do? Do you need to follow the Lord in, in baptism? Do you need to become a part of the body of Christ, the church? Do you, do you need to start to serve? What is it He's calling you to? What do you need to do? Nail down that relationship. Maybe today you need to call on him for the very first time. I'll help you do it. I, I can't do it for you, but I'll help you do it. Explain to you how. Maybe you're my brother or sister in Christ. You're sitting here, you're saying, I've, I've, I've already done that. I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be. Okay, great. How about your family members? How about your classmates? How about your coworkers? How about your, your neighbors? How about your friends? Are they where they need to be in relationship with Jesus? Can you help them get there? Would you bring them? Would you pray for them and pray for them and pray for them? And when the opportunity presents itself, would you share with them? Would you bring them? Would you be willing to let God use you to change someone else's life? If so, you need to tell him. And you need to make a commitment to that. And maybe you need to share that with somebody else. I've made a commitment to this. I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to ask me if I'm praying for that person. I want you to invite me to share with you what I'm doing to try to influence them for Jesus Christ. Create some accountability with your friends. You might be just amazed at what God will do. If you don't know what it's about yet, just ask God, who's my one? And let him put a face in your mind. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. <laughs> Challenging, yes. Difficult, sometimes. But it never changes. And so, Father, this morning we've just kind of laid it out here. And, and, and Father, I just ask you now to speak to hearts in this room. I've prayed all week long that you would do that. Perhaps there's someone here who needs to establish their relationship with you. For the very first time, I pray, Father, draw them to yourself. Maybe there are some who've done that, but they've never moved beyond an initial prayer for forgiveness. They know there's got to be something more, and they're looking for it today. I pray, Father, bring them. Show them what they need to do. Bring them. And allow us to help them move forward. Father, there's some in this room who are uncomfortable because they've never shared their faith yet. 
I'm asking them to do something that they know they're not comfortable with. They've never done it. Father, I pray that you would just implant a holy boldness in your people. That our fear would be overcome by your power. That our hesitance would be beat back by your grace. Father, show us who they are. Send us. And don't be, let us be satisfied. Just walk out and say, well, I, I heard another sermon today. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. So that we'll do something and make a difference. Father, I pray now, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, just have your way. We're going to give you the praise and glory for whatever you do. Lord, have your way. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.